Hello and welcome everyone. Uh, this is the first Mayor on Air podcast of the 2017 calendar year. Very excited to be back. Thank you all who have tuned in, who have downloaded on iTunes and Android or whatever all else that we do. And especially if you're listening on Sirius XM, Sirius 212 XM 209. Very excited to be back. It is 2017. Happy New Year, Kwanzaa, whatever. Hope you had good holidays. I realize it's March 1st. It's March 1st when we're filming this. It's really too late for me to be saying, like, Happy New Year and, and all that stuff. So I'll just I'll get past that. We're excited. The season is just around the corner. Uh, but since we haven't had any races yet, we need to focus on something else that's happened in the offseason or literally happening as we speak. And that is a car swap between myself and my very good friend, Robert Wickens, who was very gracious in agreeing to be the first guest of 2017. Welcome, Robbie, to the show. Thanks for having me, Inch. All right, that was a great show. Thanks for coming and tuning in. Robbie, get back to work. No, so very cool to have you here. Um, where, where are we? Tell, tell us what's happening right now. We are in the engineering truck of the Schmidt Peterson Motorsport and, office. And where is the Schmidt Peterson Motorsport truck? We are currently in Sebring. And why are we in Sebring? Because I am driving your race car. Your what? Get out. You didn't hear? Uh, no one told me this. No, so we're, we we organized a ride swap. Robbie and I have like joked about this for years about uh, swapping cars. At least six years. At least six years since you got into DTM and I got into IndyCar yeah. about the same time. We've always wanted to uh, take each other's cars for a spin, and uh, as someone on Twitter said, uh, Hinch and Robbie are so Canadian they even share race cars, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. So stage one of this was Robbie coming down to Sebring, Florida for uh, for. Our preseason test before St. Pete to get a couple laps around Sebring in the IndyCar, and before we get to that, tell tell everybody the story about how this like actually ended up, kind of really happening. Yeah, so James and I were uh, in Turks together for uh, for Christmas and New Year's and all that stuff and hanging out, and we were at last year, like twenty. Yeah, sorry, twenty fifteen, and um, we were at a, a beach bar called Somewhere. <laughs> somewhere on the beach. Somewhere on the beach. And it was uh, rum punch day. Fruit punch day. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Oh, good old rum punch day 2015. Yeah, yeah I remember it like, yeah, no, I don't remember it at all, actually. That day flew by. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we, we had the idea. It's, well, we've, like we said, we've wanted to do it for a long time. And it was, uh, we kind of started thinking about how we can get the, the wheels in motion. And I think we were pretty uh, ambitious in our state of mind at the time. <laughs> and uh, but luckily, I mean, the timing just worked out. DTM and Mercedes were really on board with the idea, and IndyCar was pretty switched on. Schmidt Peterson was excited for it. Obviously, we were more than ready to do it. Yeah. And um, yeah, everything aligned. It's cool because it's it sounds so simple on paper. It's like, oh yeah, you just come drive my car, I'll, I'll go drive yours. But yeah. like, there's actually so much that goes into a test in either one of these cars that making it all come together. Like, I'm actually, I'm actually still kind of shocked we did it. So am I. Like, I, when I woke up. This morning, I was just like, uh, am I actually driving his IndyCar today? Like, what are the freaking odds of this happening? And I mean, especially modern motorsport with testing limitations and restrictions. I mean, in DTM, we get like four test days before the first race. and I think we get three. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got his beat <laughs> And just the fact that it's like, yeah, well, sure, drive my car, I'll drive your car. And it's like, it's it's so cool. And I think uh, it's going to be pretty good for both championships. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I know that uh, we've got a team from IndyCar that are that are here documenting your ride. They're going to come to uh, to Italy, which is where I'm going to do my test, at the Vallelunga circuit. Vallelunga. Which you've never been to either. No. So now I don't feel quite as intimidated because you've also never been there. Yeah, and actually the, the car you're driving, because BMW and Audi thought it would be testing, quotation, bunny ears. Um, the it, Dr. Evil yeah, laser, laser testing. Um, that would be testing if you drove the 17 car. So we have to put you in a 2016 car. It's probably which, safer Which, to anyway. be fair, has more downforce. Yes, I like downforce. So big fan of the downforce. Same, same lap time of car, love, roughly. Love the DF. But what's fun the is... The DF is great. Yeah. Downforce. Always down for that. Down for the downforce. <laughs> Down for the force. So yeah, so I what you're saying, basically well, all you're doing is you're trying to protect yourself in case I go faster in the 16 car than you do in the 17 car because I've got more downforce. No, what I was getting at was the only 16 car we still have in production is our two-seater. Ah, okay. Which is still a full-fledged 2016 spec DTM car with a smaller fuel cell because the passenger effectively sits in the fuel cell. Right. Copy that. So 
you'll be so so I could possibly ride with you. That would actually be that would be amazing. Which I've never have you have you never I've, done a right seat? I've never ran right seat with in a DTM car with any racing driver. Period. Okay, in, in a race car. So, so so you're here. You're hearing this here first on the Mare on Air podcast. Buzzkill is witness, and Buzzkill's actually going to be in Italy documenting this with us. We're going to try and do everything we can to make sure that that happens because that would be hilarious. I'd love to do it the other way around too. I love if we could swap and yeah. have you take me for a lap, maybe first, so I know what the car's capable of. Actually, no, that makes it more likely I'm going to wreck it. All right, so so that happens uh, the Friday after St. Pete. We're going to fly to Italy. You're going to do your test, and then I'm going to jump in the 16 car. But uh, today, yesterday and today, uh, here at Sebring, and you got to jump behind the wheel of the number five Aero Electronics Schmidt-Peterson Honda for Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports. Damn it, I screwed that up. That's a mouthful. It is a mouthful, but you know what I'm getting at. You got, to, you got your first... Brief, albeit taste, of any car driving yesterday. You're gonna get more today, but what do you think of it so far? I thought it was good. I mean, like I like you said, it was pretty pretty short lived. You know, it was kind of uh... some of that's on us. Let me interject here. We had some <laughs> sensor issue. We haven't had a lot of testing this off season, as you may or may not know, and so we haven't run the car a lot. We kind of rebuilt them all after the Phoenix test. And we had some sensor issues and some. Uh, throttle pedal issues and some data there, there issues. Was, there were some issues that were above my education right. to, to <laughs> diagnose. Um, but no, it, it was fun. I mean, it's always great working with the professional team and, and seeing, you know, also how the other side works. You know, I, I know how we do things in DTM and it's pretty refreshing in ways coming coming over here and, and seeing a different approach to some stuff. And Is it very different from like, like kind of dealing with the engineers on the stand and that sort of thing and how we approach it. Is it very different from a DTM setup? It's similar and different. That's the thing, right? I mean, all engineers... Thanks for that super specific answer. Every engineer has the same mentality. Right. You know, you don't want to take away front grip to help the rear type thing. Like, you don't want to give up grip at all. Um, But no, I mean, it's... The mentality is very relaxed here. I mean, the fact that I, when we drove up yesterday morning to Sebring, I was saying, I'm like, this is the pit lane that we're currently in right now? <laughs> not exactly an FIA grade A track. Let's <laughs> let's call it what it is. Yeah, but no, I, I think I think it's great. The fact that it's pretty chill here, pretty relaxed. Everyone can kind of just put their feet up and joke around. And it's a really light atmosphere, and it's pretty refreshing. Where But still get the work done. Exactly. Right. It's... It's very professional. The meetings are all very structured. The test plans were very structured, and that was it was really impressive. But we crack jokes while we're doing it. Exactly. Are you telling me that the Germans don't have a great sense of humor when you're at the racetrack? Nine, nine, nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get this joke. Does it? <laughs> do they call you Vickens? No, I'm Robert. Robert. It's weird because everybody calls you Robert, but I've called you Robbie since you're 12 years old, so I don't yeah. ever well, do that. My entire career, I was Wiki. Wiki Bobby. Yeah. That was like then, like pit boards, everything was just wiki. On data, I was wiki. And then it like showed up at DTM and it was <laughs> like, Robert. Nein. You're, you're Robert. The nominous Robert. Yeah. This, this is your passport's name. It says Robert. So I see this is your name. Um, so you've obviously had some, I mean, you're an open wheel guy from kind of birth and raisingness and switched only to touring cars when you got to DTM. Yeah. You've had a little bit of experience in some okay open wheel machinery. Average one. Like, like what? Uh, well, what was the last? What was the last open wheel car you drove before coming in? I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I'm making you that guy. But uh, the last Formula car I drove was Formula One. Oh, okay. Well, thanks so but, much uh, again. Great interview. Uh, we'll be asking you to kindly leave now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the F1 young driver test is what got me my break in DTM. So, kind of the silver lining. But people kept asking me through interviews. You know, when was the last time you drove a, a Formula car? I'm like, oh, it was actually 2011. They're like, what was it? Formula One. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, well, so it's been a minute, but it was a it was a high level car. It was good. Yeah, yeah it was a good car, and it was a fun day, a career day. Um, unfortunately, it didn't break into a Formula One full time career. But side note, I got a pretty good gig with uh, Mercedes and DTM. For but sure, it was really fun driving a car without power steering. Yeah, that was, that was the biggest take I had from from yesterday and the couple laps that I did was just the fact of. Like actually, like feeling the car through the steering wheel again. You know, you know what it's like with the with the power steering car. It's it can be numb at times, and you you have to feel a lot 
more kind of like through your back and through your ass and through everything else. And the steering wheels, you don't really have that much feedback. So yeah. the fact that you felt every bump and you felt, you know, the front tire like really like loading well and all that stuff, it was, it was really good. I'm not going to do what everybody right now wants me to do, which is ask you to directly compare them because you've only done like properly one run. You've really only done five like hot laps in the IndyCar so far. Yeah. So we'll readdress, we'll readdress this later because you're going to get more running today, probably more of a, a proper test today. Yeah. Uh, so we'll come back to that. Uh, we'll come back to that at another time. We'll also come back to the show after this quick break, more with Robert Wickens, a.k.a. Wiki Bobby. Uh, when we return, but Robbie, as is tradition here on the Maron Air, we like to allow our guests to choose a song that we go into the break with. So, take it away, DJ. What uh, what year? What year? No, I'm kidding. Uh, we'll do uh, Perm by Bruno Mars. Perm by Bruno Mars. Here we go. Big Bruno Mars fan. I like it. Here we go. Back with uh, Robert Wickens for more with the Maron Air right after this. Now look at you walking in here looking all pretty and angry and mean and good. <laughs> I know you didn't get your head down so you can just sit down and just sit still. Hey, we trying to have a good time tonight. Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. It's my birthday. Uh, no, it's not. But I still look good, though. Uh, come Ow. I bet you want an autograph. You and your friends. Gotta do it in the penthouse. That's why I came up. on the Mare on Air, Sirius 212, XM209, and over the break he was sharing with us some uh, <laughs> some funny German commercials. I guess, so, we'll, we'll, we'll get to what, I mean, the whole show is kind of, kind of disjointed because you're not in the series and we haven't had any races yet to really do what we normally do, which is talk about the races and then talk about whatever and whatever. 
so we're just going to talk about whatever, because whatever. Uh, you had to live in Germany for a period. You don't anymore, but you yes. did for a while. Yeah, three years. And did you learn much German? Well, I'm still... Still there a lot. Yeah, like, I, I still have residency in, in Germany. Oh, okay. Like, split residency and stuff. Okay. So, um, short form, yes, I, I still physically live in Germany. It's been three, four years now. Um, German's a hard language, man. Yeah, it sounds very... Like, I, I, I did a bunch of lessons. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You nailed it. <laughs> um, what did I just say? You said, hello, my name is James Hinchcliffe. I'm... <laughs> You stop. You look like a hissing cat. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very unique. I don't know it. I don't. I'm obviously not very fluent. Yeah. No, I, I did lessons for a good year, like 2012, my first year in DTM, um, and like every time I did lessons, it'd be like two hours a day and stuff like that, and like I would leave with like a sore throat, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm just like, <laughs> I just can't get those like hard H's. And yeah. Like, yeah. All the umlauts and all the others. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But well, um, uh, yeah, so I, I do have to learn. It's a ongoing process, but mm -hmm. I find every off season's getting busier and busier in my life, and harder to focus. Hard, on. Harder to find two hours a day to sit down and with a tutor and, and do some German lessons. But I have like the app, the Duolingo. Yeah, yeah. I, I Duolingo every flight. Um, I have like the Rosetta Stone in the car on the CD player, and nice. it's just like Apple. <laughs> is that Apple? Apple. Yes. <laughs> Look at that bus guy. Basically, speak German. Yeah. We're, we are learning. Basically. Basically. So I'm, I'm, I'm into that right now. Um, I, <laughs> I'm into that. I'm into that right I'm now. I'm going through my like yeah. German Rosetta Stone phase. You know, it's like I should I should have requested that for the, for the song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see if we can track down <laughs> some German language learning software messages for yeah, you. I, I did make a promise to uh, Uli Fritz, the CEO of HWA, my team boss, that. I would do a German interview at the first race of Hockenheim this year. So, oh boy, it's uh, it's getting crunch time. So you not guys, so you guys don't start till May, right? Yeah. So you've got a little bit of time, but not much. You don't have a whole lot of time to learn a language. You have two months to learn basically an entire language. My plan is to discuss with the journalist first, of course, and he can send me the list of questions, of and I can memorize. That sounds fair. I, can, I think that's fair. If you could at least uh, yeah. like pronounce and enunciate what you actually want to say. Like, I, I'm at the state of German right now that I, I can do a basic conversation, mm -hmm. but then once someone fires a random unexpected question, question at yeah. me, I'm just like, Duh. That was not the line of questioning. <laughs> we were, what what did I have for dinner? I don't really understand. Then you just say, if I just sneak, which is, I don't know. Ah, see, you're good at that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for uh, the Mirror on Air listeners who might not know a lot about Robbie Wickens outside of his DTM successes. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Robbie. Where did you come from? What uh, what's what's new? What's the how's how how's the thing? How would you would you come from? Well, two people loved each other very much. Nineteen ninety eight. Nineteen ninety eight. How old are you? Ninety eight. Jeez. You know what's bad? Like. I was at, side note, I was at the LCBO <laughs> yeah. the other day. That's that's the liquor store in Canada, for yeah. those of you who don't know. <laughs> and um, Your girlfriend's calling to get Phoenix, right? Answer no, it, answer sorry, it. Sorry, tell, tell, no, answer it, tell her you call her back. This is her first phone call in the middle of the show, I think. I think you hey, babe, can I, can, can I call you back? Carly, we're busy. We're filming a podcast. Did she hang up? She hung up. Oh, filming. She's, filming she's mad at us. Yeah. We're filming, she's we're recording mad. a podcast. <laughs> sorry, so you're at the LCBO. I was at the LCBO, and... The legal age of drinking in Ontario is 1998. Wow. Yeah, because you want to be 19 in yeah. Ontario to legally drink. And like, That's and that was, crazy. That so if you were born thing. in 1998. I was, well, I was carding in 1998. Yeah. But um, anyway, so back to the story. Right. So let's, let's, let's fast forward a little bit. When did you start racing go-karts? started karting in uh, 1997. Okay. Um, at a local kart track like most of us get our starts. Um, went up through the ranks and yeah, met you and two years later. Let's, do you remember Do you remember the first time we met? Yeah, the first kart shop. Was it at the shop? Oh no, we met. It was at Sutton, wasn't it? When yeah, the, Su your... the Sutton Enduro. It was like the test day Or the day Iron afterwards. Man Enduro at Goodwood. No, I thought we met at that test day at Sutton when you let me drive your ADCC for the first time. Could be. Maybe that was it. I feel like that was the first time we met. 
Okay. So this is this is what I remember anyway. Okay. We were at a go kart track in Ontario. Yeah. And I was being asked to join the ADCC shifter class by Tony Ventresca, first kart North America at the time, who Robbie and I both subsequently well, you were racing for at that time. At the time, yeah. I was just kind of signing up with. And Robbie's twelve, I was fourteen, and you wouldn't know what to look at him now, but Robbie was like a good deal shorter than I was <laughs> when he was twelve and I was fourteen. I was a, I was a late bloomer. <laughs> you were a late bloomer. <laughs> and um, and so his his dad Tim was super super generous and said, "Hey, well you can take Robbie's cart out for a spin because I'd never driven a shifter cart before." That might have been our first swap. I think I drove your, your I think, car. I think you're right, actually. Yeah. This all start. Our relationship started on a car swap, and uh, and we had to like move the seat and rip all this padding out because you were a tiny kid. You were a little twelve year old with this big mop cut. Yeah. I don't know how you could even see. I, through I your was hair. Uh, when I was like when I was twelve and eighty cc shifter. I was still under hundred pounds. I was gonna say you must have been ninety pounds. Yeah. So anyway, so so Robbie lent lent me his pri- most prized possession on earth, his shifter cart, for uh, for a few laps, and that's kind of how the friendship started. And then yeah, so you went shifter car racing, and then what? Yeah, basically we can fast forward all the all the karting stuff. Mama yeah. Jumbo started in Formula BMW USA in two thousand five. Um, two years there, won the championship, then did Champ Car Atlantics two thousand seven. Um, against yourself. I was there. And, I was uh, present. Yeah. We had some good times there. We sure did. Portland. Portland was a good one, even though you beat me. That's the that, that's the only podium we've shared, I think. Probably. Well, probably the only, that was the only year we raced against each other. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, at the time I, I was sponsored by Red Bull on the Red Bull Junior Team Development Program and I uh, got shipped shipped off to... <laughs> Box you up and yeah, FedExed you to Europe. Yeah, not even overnight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Two-week trip. It was a long <laughs> trip. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was boat. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, then I've been in Europe ever since. So, I mean, super grateful for the Red Bull opportunity, obviously. The fact that they picked me up at a stage in my career where I didn't have any funding to keep going and took me to Europe, took me effectively just under Formula One before our partnership ended. And then I found uh, a couple, you know, sideline things along the way. And, and then, yeah, I got my reserve driver contract 2011 with Marisha Virgin Racing Formula 1 and also did Formula Renault 3.5 same year won that championship and then also got my F1 testing opportunities and that led to DTM and I've been in DTM now since 2012 um, and it's going well still haven't uh, achieved the, the big result yet still need to get that big old championship well you're coming off your best season yeah it's true came off uh, fourth overall best Mercedes in, in, the, in the championship this year, last year, and uh, no, it was a good year. I mean, what's difficult in DTM at the moment, uh, which is great for the, for the fans at least, but we have our own uh, balance of performance, and uh, Mercedes did a great job all season. We had a very quick car, very hard car to drive, you know, like the knife's edge limit. Hashtag humble brag. But, I mean, uh, it was quick, but it was super difficult super to get the speed up. I was pretty much. I was the only one that could do but, it. But uh, you know, that's because I'm exceptionally talented. <laughs> but no, it was basically the problem was our, our car. Long story short, just got too heavy with the bounce, with bounce performance. Power, yeah. And uh, going into the final three races, where it was like really crunch time in the championship, we basically handcuffed ourselves by being too good in, 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 the, in the middle part of the season. Yeah. Um, and we just couldn't really bounce back from that, unfortunately, uh, tapered off towards the end of the season. But it was uh, still a lot of pauses from the year, five podiums, uh, two wins, full position, fast lap, ticked every box. Um, just need to uh, get that big championship this year. Is it, fr- is it frustrating as a driver dealing with balance of uh, performance? Or like, do you just kind of blindly accept it because, well, I mean, you have to. <laughs> yeah, the biggest thing I've learned in my time of DTM when I first joined in 2012, I was you know still the young racing driver driving for himself and only himself. And now you're kind of you're working for the big man. Jerk. <laughs> and uh, you know DTM is it's a team sport. It's not really an individual motorsport. You you work with all your teammates and it's a six car team. You know there there's six very good drivers at Mercedes, Audi, BMW. And it, it's a full team effort. And once they each manufacturer gets to a certain part of the year where they go like, you're the guy that we're gonna go push for to win a championship, and all your teammates support you. 
and it's like Tour de France style. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. So it's I've been on the supporting end in my first four years of, of DTM and it took a lot to get used to. The fact of switching off, like you hear the team order, it's like, I need to give up a race win yeah. right now to help this person and you do it because frankly they pay your checks. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, but then on the other side of it, it's actually a really cool feeling and it's, it's pretty cool to see everything execute and everything happen properly. Um, but uh, geez, I'm a busy guy today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it, it that took some getting used to. It took a lot of maturing. Um, but actually, my teammate Gary Paffett helped me out a lot with that because he's kind of a veteran of the championship. He's been there for fourteen years. He's won championships. Fourteen years. Yeah. I guess that's the other good thing about that series is the longevity of of a driver's career is pretty impressive if you do yeah. your job right. Like the oldest. I mean, I feel like IndyCar is not too shabby in that avenue. It's either, getting better. But, I mean, uh, like, guys like TK and Elliot were proving that you can still wheel an IndyCar in your 40s. Yeah. Like, Matthias Ekstrom's the oldest DTM driver at, I believe, 38. Oh, young pup. Um, but, I mean, that guy's a freaking legend. <laughs> jumps in the rally cross his first year, wins the world championship. And he's, like, he's just one of those guys. Like, he jumped into a NASCAR, like, a few years back and, like, top five in Martinsville or something it was just like <laughs> who is this Swedish <laughs> racing god this freak of nature yeah, yeah. Uh, tell the, the one thing you didn't touch on and I'm, I'm hurt personally because we shared this experience together was your time in A1GP so oh I skipped that one you totally skipped, skipped A1GP that one. I, A1GP was the best that's still probably the most fun I've ever had in a racing championship for sure to this day it's the the format of the weekends sprint race and, and endurance race no pit stop, a pit stop, standing start, rolling start. Like, it had everything from a competition yeah. point of view. Single lap qualifying, which I know yeah. you were a big fan of. Yeah, but, but especially us coming from, obviously, not professional levels yet. Right. Like, it was like showing up to the big leagues. For you know? sure. Like, at the time, I, I, just, I just came from Champ Car Atlantics. I had my one engineer, my DAG, and then I had two mechanics. Two mechanics. And you show up in this <clears throat> A1 GP Team Canada. We were a small team yeah. compared to the others. And we had... Four engineers, yeah, four or five engineering mechanics. staff. You had ten mechanics, and you had pit stop crews. You had gearbox specialists. And you had this, that, the other, and it's like this traveling the world. Yeah, racing on F one tracks. Yeah, race. Let's see, we did Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, Indonesia, China, Netherlands, South uh, Africa. South Africa. Uh, I mean, I know they raced Portugal, not our year though. Um, England, France, Hatch. Yeah, yeah uh, Czech Republic. Yeah. Like we were, Bruno. Yeah, at like the age of 19, 20, we were traveling the world doing this, and like yeah. kind of first getting our start. That was like, I'm with you, man. That was some of the most yeah. just was, cool times. Yeah, and that was the first time as well. Like you're sitting in the car before you go out for a qualifying or for a race, and there's just like film crews and cameras and this and that. And like my car had onboard cameras. I never had a car with onboard cameras before. And there's that one that was like facing you, and you're yeah. just like, you want to look really cool for it. <laughs> And it's like, you know, qualifying. You had, you had the drop-down monitors onto the car. Yeah. Like, never had that. Qualifying was like your your departure from the garage was timed down to the second. Yeah. You know, they, they showed you exactly how fast your outlap had to be to make sure that you crossed the line in time. And like, everything was just so much more precise and such a big deal. Yeah. And there was, like, a bunch of XF1 drivers, a bunch of future F1 drivers. Like, Nico Hulkenberg came out of there. Sebastian Buemi was in there. Yeah. Uh, I know I'm missing others. Neil Yanni. Yoni was in there. Like Deval was there. Um, Christian Torres was there. Was there. Bacchier. Adam Carroll. Adam Carroll. Robbie Kerr. Ali Jarvis went on to sports car fame and success. It was yeah. crazy, man. That was that was a blast. That was a lot of fun. It was we, cool. We need to try and get that series back. It almost. I, there's always these rumors. Every like, year yeah. there's a rumor that someone's starting it back up. We should start. We should so start one because it's it's countries, right? For those that don't know what A1GP was all about, it was like a nations cup. So, yeah. a team was actually a country. There was Team Great Britain. There was Team Canada. There was Team USA. Whatever. And the team got points, not drivers. So you could you could borrow drivers, different drivers, and you were accumulating points for the team. Yeah. So it really was cool. You had different guys sharing cars. Like you and I shared a car. We split the races one year. You had a rookie driver. So every Friday, first practice or second practice, first it was, practice, yeah. first practice, the rookie driver had to drive it. So it gave young guys an opportunity to get on track and prove themselves. And there were so many things about that series that were really spot good. on. It was, it was really just good. managed by some people that probably should have been managing a racing series. 
Anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're gonna wrap up this segment, which means we're gonna head into our third segment uh, in just a moment, which I'm very excited about. So stick around to the Mayor on Air podcast. We're here with Robbie Wickens more right after the break. Wait! I need a song. I have to pick another song? You have to pick another song. Oh my god. It could be another Bruno Mars song if you want. I'm into him right now. Into, into Bruno Mars? Yeah. We'll do some... Uh, I was gonna say, what, what were you into when you two were first racing each other on cards? <laughs> what were you into when you were 12? What, I did, what did I have on my Walkman? Yeah, <laughs> my disc was on your mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> you never made me a mixtape. <laughs> I think my brother was like the first, the only guy that had the mini disc. Uh, the mini disc, yeah. had a portable mini disc player. God, like, we're dude. old. We are old. <sighs> anyway, I need a song. Yeah, we'll do uh, 24K Magic. 24K Magic, Bruno Mars. courtesy of Robbie Wickens, my guest today on the Mayor on Air podcast. I, of course, am the mayor of Hinchtown, James Hinchcliffe. Thank you guys for tuning in, uh, whether you're downloading it, listening to it on some device, or you're... Well, this one's not going on serious, is it? No. 
Yeah, so, you can promote it as all the times I've been saying Sirius 212 XM209. It's just practice for future in the uh, we're building the brand. We're building the brand. We will be on Sirius XM later in the season as we get into uh, the IndyCar season. Now, Robbie, we come to our favorite part of the show. This is the third segment that seems to be a big hit with the fans. Okay. And it's a little segment we like to call Trick or Tweet. And this is how it works. <laughs> you should, guys, I wish the we had video because the look on his yeah. face. <laughs> so good. I didn't sign up for this. Yes, you did. Um, uh, trick or Tweet, you either have to perform an elaborate, complicated, prop-filled magic trick for myself and Buzzkill on the spot right now. Okay. Or you can answer Twitter questions from fans. Do I have props? I don't know. Do you? Well, I'm not prepared for this. I mean, well, it's, if you're not prepared, then I guess kind of, I would love to know what you're going to do with an armrest. <laughs> I'll answer the question. Oh, okay, he's going to go with the answer to the question. It's perfect. Twisted We've, my arm. Twisted your arm. We've actually got quite a few uh, quite a few entries. This is, this is quite good. Thank you all for uh, contributing questions. We'll get right into it. Rachel wants to know... Since Robert Hinch go back so far, what is the best prank you have pulled on the other? I don't know if we've pranked each other a lot. No. I just keep thinking back to that story. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, because I did notice that one of the other questions uh, was the most embarrassing moment that you can share. So I feel like you have a lot better on me than, than I do on you. Well, I mean, the joke's kind of on me because I had to throw the chair out. Yeah, that's true. Right? That's very true. <laughs> so we need more detail. I don't know. Like you dropped really odd things um, in about the story. Let's just say there was an incident when I was in university and Robbie came to visit me that resulted in me having to dispose of the computer chair in my bedroom. And we're going to leave it up to the creative minds of the uh, citizens of Hinchtown listening in to piece in together what, what happened there. But, Dan, but to fun. answer Rachel's question, <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly can't think off the top of my head. Like, maybe random things when we were kids, like I would like hide one of your shoes <laughs> at the cart track or something. Yeah. I mean, there hasn't really been... All that much. It must have been something when we were crashing in your family's motorhome together. Well, we would remember we used to like stay up all night and do awesome do, powers, awesome powers <laughs> imitations, yeah. like Doctor Evil imitations. That's still like to this day my mom's like fondest <laughs> memory. Of your you. mom <laughs> love that. We used to have your mom in stitches just quoting movies. One of the reasons Robbie and I, Robbie and I get along so well is he fits in with that that class of people that just can can recite movie quotes all day long, which is that's me. That's my people. So if you can do that, we're going to be friends. We're in. And Robbie and I established that very early in our young lives. Um, all right. Uh, Mark Kitson wants to know, any reason why IndyCars couldn't race at most sport? Certainly, it must be as good as or better than any other North American road track except maybe Road America. So, good question. What's your opinion on IndyCars at most sport? As a fellow Ontario guy mm -hmm. I would I honestly think I mean it would be cool to see just as again a, a fan of most sport grew up there all that stuff would be awesome it could probably definitely break the lap record yeah um as a as a driver slash fan I'm not convinced it would be the best overall race it's just, a terrible race just cause the cars are so aero dependent and that track's so fast. It's so quick. I think, honestly, it would just be a lot of like running single file and yeah. a lot of strategy, which could be its own race in itself. The only thing but, that could make that race good for any cars is if like the tire degradation was massive. Yeah. Because like, we thought the same thing about Barber, to be fair. We went to Barber and looked at the layout and drove it in practice, and we're like, this is going to be a lead follow parade race. It's going to be awful. I did a Formula BMW race there, and it was like follow the leader. Did the All the yeah. lights races that I did, everything that yeah. I raced, it was, it was just like, this is going to be awful. But the track is super high grip, long, fast corners, and the tires degrade a lot, and so tire strategy and pit strategy and all that came into yeah. it. And the racing there has actually been really good over the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, with undercuts and... For sure. Yeah. So most part yeah. maybe has that potential. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's. But I'm with you. It's. It's still. Paper, it's, it's, it's still bad. an old school track. Drivers would love it. It would be so much fun. It's a dream of mine just to drive an Indy car. I drove an Atlanta car around. Yeah, dude, I would have killed for that. 
And that would like flat out 70% of the lap. Yeah, one, turn one was flat, two was flat, three was just a lift. Uh, four was flat. Four was flat. Eight was flat. Eight was flat. Nine was... You had to break for nine for sure. Yeah, break, downshift, and the last corner was just, was just, no, just lift. You're literally, apart from five, you were just like fourth, fifth gear the whole time. It was actually crazy, man. And the yeah. Indy car would be, wouldn't be much different. Like, it would exactly. be so fast. It would be physical. It would be super physical. And, you know, they've made a lot of upgrades to the circuit, but we'd still have to probably add some runoff and, you know, so. add some safer... Yeah, that's, they've done a very good job at Motorsport over the years, actually. Like, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, if you want to be specific. Yes. Sorry. And let's just say, I just, I'm really happy that we're on the same page that it's Motorsport and not Mossport. I just want to educate all the Canadian fans yep. out there who call it Mossport. That is wrong. There's Moss Corner, named after Sterling Moss, yes, yeah. but Motorsport is an abbreviation of Motorsport. Yes, it is. And so let's stop calling it Mossport because that's like one of my big pet peeves in the Canadian racing world. All right, rant over. Next question from Jonathan. Jonathan is a big fan of yours, Robbie. Thank um, you, Jonathan. And I'm going to skip past some of the introduction <laughs> there, but he says thank you both for rep representing Canada so well, which is very sweet of you to say. Two questions. Uh, first, what do you think of the planned Canadian Motor Speedway facility to be built in Fort Erie? Any chance of a major event like IndyCar going there? Start with that. I'm uh, feel really bad, but I had no you know nothing about it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so there's a proposed uh, uh, oval road course, oval I think even drag strip facility. Would you go as far as saying roval? I would. I would maybe say roval. I would say a rovip. Okay. Because there's a drag strip too. Drive too. Maybe even a go-kart track. Come on. Ro-grip. That's a go Um, I mean, it'd be great if we had a new racing facility, especially one of that kind of magnitude in Canada. I think it'd be amazing. 100%. I mean, end of the day, we have to try to get grassroots motorsport back up in Canada because, unfortunately, any Canadian who wants to make a career in motorsport, more or less, unfortunately, has to leave Canada to right. do it. Um, I think the fact that USF 2000 is making a pretty big comeback with their new cars, I think that's great. I've heard they have big numbers, and hopefully North American single-seaters will get a lot stronger again. Because when we were there, we had Formula BMW, we had Atlantics that are both really strong championships. Dude, when I ran Star Master, there was 44 cars. Yeah. Now, granted, not all of them, uh, there was a lot of, you know, gentlemen drivers or older guys that were doing it more for fun. But there was probably still 20, 20-something young kids that were trying to make a career out of it. Yeah. Well, just off the top of my head, it was like you, Graham, Matos. The top five in the championship, was, the year I ran Star Mazda, was Rafael Matos, who raced IndyCar. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Pecorari, who did not. I was third, raced IndyCar. Graham Ray Hall was fourth. Marco Andretti was fifth. So four of the top five ended up in IndyCar. Yeah. So, like, that's that's a step. And three of the five are currently still here. And three of the five are still here. So it's, um, for sure, we need, we need to get it back to that. Yeah, and I think the USF 2000, the whole road to Indy thing that you guys are doing here is amazing. Um, but we need to, I think the track in Canada would be a great addition for Deary. Perfect. Now, quick, top five racing facilities in Canada. In Canada? Yeah. Circuit so Villeneuve, number one. I'd say Mosport two. That's the only two Canadian <laughs> tracks I've driven. No, Toronto. Toronto. I've driven Toronto. Barry Speedway. Never driven Barry Speedway. And, um... The original Edmonton Airport circuit. I did drive Edmonton. Yeah, you did. And yes, that did. was awesome. They totally neutered it and butchered it for the last two years that we ran there. Yeah, it was really quick. It was so seven. quick. It was so physical. It was so much fun. It was bumpy in some places, super smooth in others, like some cool corner combinations. Cool. Like I always get Edmonton and Cleveland confused when I think back to that. <laughs> yeah. Both, both airport circuits, but very different. So yeah, Edmonton, I thought, was a bitching track. Um... This one is uh, largely kind of around driving the IndyCar, which you haven't done enough of yet for me to want to ask you these questions. So I'm going to skip that one, unfortunately. We can hopefully cycle back to those ones. Right. Um, so fra Zoe would like to know, having had a taste of an IndyCar at Sebring, will you try and get a shot on an oval? Do you have any interest in trying an IndyCar on an oval? I, I think I'm, I'm curious to try it just because I've never done it, and I'm the kind of guy that I, before I retire from my job, I kind of want to try everything. You know, I'd love to try a rally car. I'd love to... Top fuel dragster. Would you do that? I would do a pole. You would do one? Yeah, do, uh, let's go do one. Let's go do one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes 45 minutes to rebuild the engine and do another yeah, one. So. That's true. Um, 
Yeah, I'd give it a shot. Uh, I mean, anytime you can feel a bajillion horsepower behind you would be would be pretty cool. Okay, so if you had yeah, it's a, that's a it's a scientific number, guys. It's a, it's a racing term. Um, if but, you had to pick an oval to go test in IndyCar on for the first time, which one would you pick? What one would you pick? Oh, I've done them. All. Uh, no, I would trust your judgment uh, on this case. Okay, well, I mean, as a seasoned vet that you are. So he, honestly, honestly, here's what here's what my recommendation would be. I would recommend you go to like a mile and a half track first. I would recommend you go okay. to say Texas or yeah. Kentucky or Chicago, um, Kansas, and and drive one of those first. It gives you a little bit of a sense of what a car feels like on an oval. It feels incredibly fast, but it, it's like a kind of a good way to to get your feet wet. Yep. Then I think you should go to the speedway. And see what a one like once in a lifetime opportunity and like what a unique place that is and just get to go to the racing mecca and feel everything that is Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Mm-hmm. And then I really would love you to go to a short track. I would love you to go to Iowa, high bank short track, and see what IndyCar short track racing is all about. You've uh, you've told me about like the short track stuff and how torturous it is. So you haven't really sold me. <laughs> Physically, it is not the most fun thing. You literally told me over breakfast that you cannot breathe on the bank. So, I mean, is that something I want to do? So, so like, at Iowa, it's seven-eighths of a mile, and we do it in about 17 seconds. Right? So that's a trioval. So even on the front straight, you're kind of turning. But, so of that 17 seconds, about 10, you're in a corner. Yeah. And in the, the, the corners in Iowa, you can't breathe. You can't inhale. So you have to hold your breath through the corner. I don't. I don't have great lung capacity. Yet. (laughs) You will learn. (laughs) Three hundred lap race around Iowa. Your lung capacity will be amazing. Like you literally, the worst is because it's so fast. The straightaway is so short. You're trying to communicate to the crew, and you start talking, and then you get into the corner, and you have to stop talking, but you're like still keyed up on the button. They just they hear you go. I think we got a little bit of steer going in. That's a little bit loose coming up. <laughs> and that's the way you're doing the whole night. Doesn't sound appealing? Yeah, sure, I'd give it a shot. It's pretty epic to watch. Um, so somebody asked if I'm truly worried that... No, oh, no, sorry. Are you truly worried that I get to drive your car? No. Are you worried for the safety of your vehicle? I am not worried for the safety of my vehicle because, to be frank, it's not my vehicle. Let's say I was driving your 2017 spec number six Sibelfeld Mercedes. Would you worry about its well-being? Not at all. I mean, I feel obligated to trust you because you've trusted me with yours. <laughs> I feel obligated. <laughs> wow, you sure know way to a guy's heart, Robbie. Jeez. I mean, I pretty much have to because I already drove your car. Well, that's true. I mean, we still have a chance to screw up there, though. I do. But I'm I'm, you right at, least, now. at least I'm not ruining your last test day before St. Pete. It's true. It's true. That was going through my mind a lot yesterday morning. <laughs> I am going to tell you this, though. Uh, if you hurt it, if you hurt my car, I will purposely bury yours into the barrel. Do you name your cars? You should. I don't. We go by the numbers. I named my last year's car for the first time. Really? I want to do that this year. Because we go by chassis numbers. Do you get a new chassis every year? Uh, I know, like, this year it's different because it's a different but, spec car. But it's the same, same monocoque. Is it? It's just arrow okay. chunks around it. So do you still call that the same car then? Will it still be named the same thing? Or will you I'm not sure. It? Maybe. Is it just like the same girl, but she had some plastic surgery? Could be, yeah. Is that kind of what's happened? Yeah. She had a little, a little lift, bit of, little bit of Malibu. lift. Yeah. You know? Maybe some lipo. You said it's a little leaner. Yeah, the flicks. The flicks got, got down, some yeah. uh, liposuction. Yeah. Tires are softer. So are you gonna are you going to rename it then? I don't know, something to talk about with my mechanics, because some people have come and gone, so we have a few new people on the team, so maybe she's due for a... A name change. For a 2.0. There you go. I like I like the team-building-ness of that, is yeah. that you're not just doing it on your own, you're going to go get the crew involved. Her name was Velma. Velma, and where did Velma come from? Velma originated from my girlfriend, because she's... <laughs> I kind of assumed Carly was involved. Yeah, because uh, she's, she's a professional cosplayer, and she's known for doing a very good Velma. Mm-hmm. And my car had orange on it, so I figured God, it was, uh, it was Seems very pretty, appropriate. pretty suiting. Very appropriate. Is the color scheme the same this year? I'm not sure yet. They're kind of, uh, Mercedes is leaving me on 
back of my seat, just wait, waiting to see what what sponsor and design. Back of the seat. That's a German. That's a German <laughs> phrase. It's, we say edge of your seat yeah. in North America. But on the back of your seat, I'm I guess that's exciting I'm too. So I'm relaxed. He's so calm and chill about it. He's just leaning in the back of his seat, like I don't even care what color it is. Well, <laughs> as long as it's fast, who cares? There's two pink ones. I might get might get one of those. Is it? Don't I get to drive a pink one? I think so. It might get redone into my livery. Oh, okay. That would be cool too. Yeah. I've driven a pink car before. I've driven Three two pink cars. Formula Ford? My Formula Ford, which I won with. And then uh, in okay. 13, GoDaddy did a breast cancer awareness car. So it was all like floral pink instead of the green. Remember that? Which was not a podium in that car, actually. So. Did you still have a green suit? I did have a green suit, yeah. We didn't we didn't think it necessary to go to an all pink suit. We thought about it. But it's a shame. It is a shame. I drove a pink car in Daytona this year. That's true, you did. You did. I, uh, my favorite pink car story was when I ran that Formula Ford. I ran it in Virginia, the VIR, the SCCA race. And it was pretty low, like, it was like a regional thing, I think. And, um, I won the race. My teammate, who had a, the same car as me, but blue, came second. And this local kid came third. And we're standing on the podium, and he looks up at me and goes, Man, it must, suck, it must suck to drive a pink car. And I looked down at him from the top step and said must suck to get beat by one <laughs> <That's very true>. yes <laughs> showed that guy yeah, and then the kid zinger cried. and then the kid cried <laughs> turns out he was 12 <laughs> still feel bad the, the kid is now uh, Lewis Hamilton <laughs> he's doing he's doing alright he's doing alright from stuff average average at bet. no I'm kidding he's phenomenal Alright, Robbie, thank you so much. Uh, We're gonna let you go because you gotta get suited and booted and back into an IndyCar for hopefully some more laps this afternoon. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, man. Appreciate you sharing your stories and uh, and letting the, the mayor on air, citizens of Hinchtown, fans of the podcast, know a little bit more about you. So thanks so much. Best of luck this afternoon, but more importantly, best of luck this season in your DTM. Thank you guys, thanks for having me. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We will be doing this regularly throughout the 2017 Verizon IndyCar Series season as we have in years past. Buzzkill and I signing off from our first uh, podcast of 2017. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.